Paleo Runner is devoted to finding better ways to live, run, train, and eat. I'm your host, Aaron Olson. You can find more information by going to paleorunner.org. If you enjoy the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Search for Paleo Runner in iTunes and click Ratings and Reviews. You can also follow me at facebook.com slash runpaleo or on Twitter at runpaleo. I wanted to take a minute to let you know about a product I've been using lately called 3Fuel. 3Fuel is a sports drink that gives you fat, protein, and carbohydrates as a fuel source. Unlike other sugary sports drinks, 3Fuel gets absorbed slowly into your bloodstream and gives you energy throughout your workout. It won't give you a blood sugar spike like other sports drinks, which means you can utilize fats throughout your workout. I recently did a 21-mile training run using 3Fuel, and I only had to take in around 200 calories because it allowed my body to continue burning fat for fuel. If you'd like to try it, you can get 10% off by using the coupon code 3FOLSON. Go to paleorunner.org and click 3Fuel at the top of the page. If you're listening through the podcast app on iPhone, click the link to Displayed on the app right now. My guest today is Abel James. Abel runs a popular website and podcast devoted to paleo diet and burning fat. Abel has also written several books on a variety of topics ranging from music to paleo diet. Abel, thanks so much for being part of the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. It's, it's awesome to be here. So, Abel, give me a little bit of your background. How did you become the fat burning man? <laughs> so, I, I guess because the uh the listener base is probably pretty interested in like running and that sort of thing. I'll talk yeah. from a runner's perspective because usually I just thought, you know, going back to my time in the middle of nowhere in New Hampshire, but actually it was running played a huge part in uh, why I do what I do now because I was always, you know, I played a lot of sports. I played basketball, football for a little while, um, baseball, soccer, and all that stuff growing up, but it was really running that I was attracted to. And I, I think a lot of it was just mental. It was like, you know, when you go out and run for three hours, you better be in some sort of meditative state. Otherwise, you might, you're probably losing your mind so I think it was that um, it was that bit of uh, release that came from running you know it was, it was that bit of like peace that it gave me that always attracted me to it so I, I assumed that running and, and kind of like jogging was the best thing you can do when it came to it you know like all those yeah. things I can tell you um, but especially you know like a long cardio session right and I read um, have, do you, are you familiar with Chi Running yeah yep. you ever see that book oh yeah so if you know when I first read Chi Running um, I had shin plans my whole life uh, and I would basically get to a point in training where I was getting faster I was getting better I was getting stronger my times were going down and then I would just get crippling shin splints I was a horrible heel striker and that was the way that I was actually taught to run by all my coaches back day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was key running and a few other things that you know I decided to try the burp I think uh, clearly what I was doing wasn't working you know it had very bad IT band issues shin splints you know my, my feet were a mess and my form when I looked down at my feet like <laughs> basically my right leg was all waggling back and forth my left with okay. uh-huh. uh, it was just my cadence was, was ugly so uh, you know I read pretty much everything I could on the subject of running and started doing the barefoot thing and it was incredible the changes that happened and it's, you know it's, it's a much more natural way to run I had to relearn it and in chi running he talked a bit about nutrition and just life and through the chi and food and that got me a little bit more excited about focusing on nutrition again so ahead to now you know I, I just basically learned so much in, in my personal journey uh, both about nutrition and fitness and life in general that I feel like with the way the world is going right now and everyone gets fatter and sicker. Um, I do what I do because I need to share this knowledge with everybody because it really is pretty straightforward to live in an amazing life where you can be healthy and happy and have a great body and all that other stuff too by doing some pretty simple straightforward stuff. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that you started trying out the barefoot thing. Uh, did you use five fingers or did you just go straight barefoot? I did a little bit of both but I settled on the five fingers and I still I still use those quite a bit and uh, I use Luna sometimes as well. These days. Okay. So did you get into marathon 
marathon running or were you just out there running for fun? Uh, both, but I, okay. I was running like marathon for fun for a little right. while. So, you know, a lot of people will, will run and it'll be this exercise of misery, you know, and uh, constantly punishing yourself. So for me, it was more uh, something that was on my bucket list that I just wanted to do. And like the first marathon that I ran was actually, you know, I'd been on long runs and stuff like that before, but the first one I did was just by myself with my dad on a bike in case anything went wrong. Uh-huh. Uh, and I ran, uh, I ran the coast of Florida. Um, it wasn't an official race or anything. I just ran from like one town to the other. Uh-huh. And uh, it was along the coast the whole way. And it was freaking awesome. I was like, that was amazing. <laughs> you know, it's, it's always hard when you get to the middle and you're just like, holy crap, I just ran 16 miles and I'm exhausted and I have 10 more to go. Uh-huh. But um, at the same time, it was just such a beautiful experience that, um, that I tried to do it a few more times and ran it often. Really enjoyed it. And then I started doing um, a couple of shorter races. And now I just I run for fun. Uh-huh. Did you see any improvements in your time when you went to a barefoot style of running? Yeah, so like I said, I was um, I was basically unable to run more than 10 miles for any consider, um, any considerable length of time. So it's like I could run 10 miles a few times and then my shin splints or I'd get, I'd get, I'd get injured. Mm-hmm. So I, that was preventing me from really reaching any sort of potential in terms of distance or, or in speed because as soon as I got to the point where I was getting faster, I'd have to take, you know, two, four weeks off or just mm-hmm. run more slowly than normal. So when I switched to going barefoot, um, I mean, I, I don't want to say that running, you know, like 30 miles is easy, but mm-hmm. it wasn't that hard. It was just a matter of doing it. And like, I didn't really get injured. Um, I was, I was just running and it felt great. And it still does. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing, it sounds like, uh, a lot of the people in the paleo community, or at least some of them are kind of down on endurance activities, but I find it really kind of a meditative activity that can kind of take yeah. my mind off other things. What, how about you? Do you, do you still do some yeah, of those man, long I, runs? I, I totally agree. You know, there's all this stuff and I have, I have blog posts about this one of the most popular blog posts is about how you can exercise less and get even fitter. Um, mm-hmm. So for people who are after, you know, getting like the perfect body or whatever, they can, they don't have to run. Like, I think a lot of people assume that if you want to get fit, you have to run. That's not right. necessarily true, but that's not the reason that I, that I run now anyway. I run for my head more than my body. Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely a meditation. It's something that I think really good for you. And I believe right now you're seeing the pendulum uh, swing from, it used to be this crazy idea that you could do high intensity exercise and get it really fit, strong and stuff. And that was kind of underground. Now, even the mainstream media is picking that up and being like, well, you don't have to do cardio anymore and cardio is bad. And everyone tell you, it seems like they're saying that cardio is completely useless and it's bad for you and you shouldn't do it. Um, and I don't think that that's the right way to go. The pendulum will swing back. Because like, does cardio help? Absolutely. It's conditioning. You know, it's, it's movement. It's exercising. When you're doing cardio, when you're running, you're getting better at running. It doesn't mean that that's bad. It doesn't mean that it's good either. But I know mm-hmm. that when I run, I feel I feel better. And that's mm-hmm. important. Um, and it, that's not necessarily true for everyone. Like some people don't like running, so they shouldn't do it. But if you like running, I say you go for it. As long as you're not hurting yourself, I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How long did it take for you to transition to that cheese style or barefoot style of running? Yeah, it's funny because like I would go out for typically like an eight mile run. Uh-huh. And when I switched to going barefoot, it's completely different muscle, man. You know, it's completely different. So I would go like three quarters of a mile and I'm like, I can't go anymore. <laughs> In fact, I don't even, I don't even know if I can walk home because my, <laughs> my calves are just screaming. And basically I was such a bad deal striker that switching up front, you know, running on the, on the forefoot or the, the midfoot was such a huge change that those muscles were all like atrophy. So it took me, I was probably up, upping my mileage about 15% a week for uh-huh. many, many weeks until I basically got up to marathoning. Okay. Uh-huh. And at that point I was running like 50 miles a week per training. Oh. So I mean like I was never, I was never doing it as like an elite or even like competitive 
just uh-huh. like you know, a pretty good time for for amateurs or whatever. Okay. And I wasn't even really focusing on the time as much as like how I felt as I was doing it. You know what I mean? Right, right. So, at what point did paleo start to become a more important role? Was that going along at the same time with the barefoot running? Well, it's interesting because like paleo didn't really exist a few years ago the way that it does now. Um, right. It was very small. It was very specific in what it was and what it wasn't. And I think a lot of that came um, from Dr. Lauren Cordain's book, The Paleo Diet, which came out around uh, 2000, 2001, something like that. And the first time I read that, I was like, I, I don't really, I'm not on board with this because it was, you know, very low fat, um, talked about using canola oil and just like the approach seemed a little bit sloppy. It didn't really resonate with me. But when I started doing my own research into nutrition and stuff like that, realizing how important fat is as an macronutrient and really focusing on that, um, it seemed like paleo was even less appropriate. And then I started finding people like uh, like Mark Sisson, uh, Rob Wolf, who were a little bit more open uh, and flexible in their approach to this mm-hmm. sort of eating style. Mm-hmm. And when I, uh, when I spoke at the first Paleo FX conference, uh, it, it wasn't until then that I really realized that this is a community of people who are pretty much doing a very similar thing that I'm doing from a dietary perspective. Like, I'm not, I'm not Paleo. It's very close to Paleo, mm-hmm. but um, I, I do what works for me. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'll eat rice and oats and beans sometimes uh, and, and xylitol and other things that don't fit into the, the Paleo strict lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, as, as a basic recipe for building a plate and a way of thinking about food, you know, eating eating food as close to nature as intended as possible, that's, mm-hmm. that's what paleo has become. And it's kind of like, you know, that name has been attached to all these other ways of eating, which I think is great, you know, like farm to table, organic and sustainable. Like a lot of those people identify as paleo now, which I think is awesome because at least we have a community where we can all talk about this stuff. Right, right. Well, I'd like to hear a little bit more about what you eat because, uh, you know, there's there lately I've heard a lot about it uh, in the endurance movement that, you know, you can feel with more fat and then, but then there's some people on the other side um, saying, well, actually, you know, you need to eat a lot of potatoes and stuff like that if, or sweet potatoes. What's what's your take on this, especially for endurance activities? Do you feel with fat or do you feel with carbs? I've done it both ways. And, mm-hmm. you know, in all honesty, I was faster with carbs, but I was also sicker with carbs. It's okay. like high octane fuel, you know, especially if you're dealing with, with sugars and stuff. But if you, if you want to do it for health or you want to maintain health while you're doing it, going high fat and eating like a paleo style um, tubers, uh, as well as, you know, oats and rice and things like that. As long as you're not focusing on wheat or processed foods or gel packs or cliff bars or all that other processed junk, then you're going to be good. I don't think it matters a whole lot um, how you fuel. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of, of eating, focusing on the right foods, the right quality of food. And that's always going to be like not processed, the real stuff. Um, but I think a lot of people, they downplay fat too much. They think that fat is bad for them. But the, the truth of the matter is if you're running 30 miles or you're doing triathlons or whatever, you need a heck of a lot of food, a lot of fuel to get you through that. So um, <clears throat> like my buddy Ben Greenfield, he does a super low carb and mm-hmm. he has great success, you know, like brilliant times. Um, he, he looks and feels, I know, a heck of a lot better than a lot of other endurance athletes. Um, right. And so that works really well for him. And so I would recommend to a lot of people who might not have experimented with that is like try going high fat and adding a, a bit of carbs too. Maybe it's a sweet potato or two uh, before a long run, maybe some, some rice or oats and see how you feel. Um, it takes a little bit of time to adjust from being like a super heavy carb burner to being mm-hmm. a fat burner. But fat, I mean, I eat an enormous amount of fat. I've never felt, looked, or performed better. The thing is, it's like you might be a little bit faster when you get that juice of the sugary carbs, but mm-hmm. you crash and then you get sick and then you have recovery time for that. Um, I can tell you that my recovery time for a marathon that I did with all those goos and stuff for like three days, you know, I was just, I was laid out. <laughs> but when I focus on the, the high quality foods and uh, fueling my body as responsibly as possible, uh, focusing more on like the, the tubers and stuff, I was pretty much good to run. I felt like 
I actually did run the next day. I went for a short run to get the juices on again. I felt off. So I, I think it's really a testament to the quality of food. You don't want to be, you're punishing your body enough when you're doing endurance exercise. So you should focus on trying to feed it as well as you possibly can. Right. So you said that, you know, you looked at paleo and you did, you were kind of turned off by the fact that it was a lower fat diet. Can you explain to our listeners yeah. what's the importance of fat in the diet? Why would anyone want to start including more things like butter or ghee or coconut oil, things like that? Is that what the kind of thing you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. There are so many different reasons for that. Like, number one, our bodies are just built for it. Um, if you look at uh, historically the way that we would have eaten animals or, or nuts or other things that we would have found uh, in nature, the things that would have been most valuable are the fats. They're not really the carbs. Um, and the reason for that is there's, there's a great deal of energy in fat. Uh, there's another thing. When your body is, uh, is is fasting or over the course of the night, you're, you're mobilizing fat from your body to burn for energy. And that's great. When you eat fat, it's pretty similar. It's a very similar process. Your, your body is consuming fat and you're using it for energy. When it comes to like fat and metabolism, the fat is, is pretty benign. You know, it's not like causing a crazy surge of a certain hormone. It's not, you know, resulting in any sort of crash after the fact. It's uh, it's just like a steady fuel that your body can use to look and, and feel great. As opposed to carbs, like if you're, if you're fueling with carbs, everyone knows what it feels like to have a sugar crash. And whether you eat sugar or not, even if you eat oats or what, right, um, or you don't burn a lot of the, the carbs off as you're eating them, you're getting that crash. You're getting a huge surge of insulin and from all the research that I've done, um, my personal experience, the experience of the people who I've coached, insulin is something that you don't want to abuse. Uh, you're doing some amount of metabolic damage the more that you, you know, like have these huge floods of insulin. So uh, that's one reason to, to basically avoid carbs. And then, you know, it's, you can't really eat protein all day. Like protein is something that you, you get full so quickly and... Um, <laughs> Eating the idea of eating like five steaks a day or something like that, you know, like trying to get an enormous amount of calories from mm-hmm. protein, mm-hmm. is kind of ridiculous and really gross sounding. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to eating things like you know um, eggs and uh, coconut oil or, or coconut or nut butters and, and nuts, like those things, you eat them and you don't get a crash. You don't feel awful afterwards. You just feel like you're you're um, satisfied and, and fueled. Right. And, and for our listeners who might not have tried feeling with fat before, it's important to not go with a vegetable oils what what is the uh, I mean, this is kind. Of, this is something I've learned more about recently. But taking out the vegetable oils is very important, isn't it? Yeah, because so many vegetable oils are um, the products of industrial agriculture, covered in chemicals and, and solvents throughout the process of turning them into an oil. Basically, like if it turns into something uh, that doesn't squeeze out oil when you compress <laughs> it mm-hmm. very easily, then it's not really an oil that you should be eating. Um, mm-hmm. Like coconut is very fatty. Um, coconut oil is, is super natural. We've been eating it for a very long time. Um, Canola oil or rapeseed is not super natural. I mean, there are ways that you can eat it that are, but most of the stuff that you find is, is genetically modified, covered in pesticides, and then uh, it goes through a degumming process, a deodorizing process, covered in solvents and all of these other chemicals before it reaches you. And then uh, because it's high in omega-6 fats, which are highly inflammatory and we get too much of anyway, um, it's usually rancid by the time, or at least partially rancid by the time it hits the shelf and usually has some trans fat in it too, which is uh, just pure death, basically. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, avoiding industrial oils is always a good idea. You want to you want to focus on the real fat, like grass and butter, coconut oil, avocado, olive, um, and then and then fat from healthy animals. So we use a lot of duck fat in cooking. Um, that's that's a great one if uh, if you're cooking because it's highly stable. So anything with saturated fat um, tends to last a fair bit of time and it can withstand uh, the high heat of cooking. Unlike okay. some other oils like like fish oil or flax, which are kind of delicate, uh, they're high in omegas. 
uh, omega-3s, and those you'll want to eat raw or, or um, at least not at a high temperature. And it's great because they offset the omega-6 that's found in a lot of foods with omega-3s, which are anti-inflammatory. So um, that's, if there is a supplement that I recommend, it's a high-quality whole food multivitamin uh, and fish oil or cod liver oil. Okay. You know, one of the things that you mentioned a lot of times on your podcast is that looking good, feeling good, it's really not that difficult. What are some things yeah. that you what what do you mean by that? How is how is having a rip body like you have and and eating this way? How is that not difficult? <laughs> it's just a matter of following the right advice. You know, I, I think a lot of people, and I was guilty of this as well. I thought that you know I was just a product of my genetics. I was just that way, right? Because I was doing everything right. I was running a lot, and I was eating the way that the magazine told me to, to eat, the way that my doctor told me to eat. And as soon as I stopped listening to all that crap, <laughs> you know, I, I got shredded and stronger and performed better. Like I do cross my God now, which is a, a self-defense. And some of our classes are really intense. And usually I'm still just gunning for it at the end of the, at the end of the Abel? Whether they used to talk. Yeah, can you hear me? Oh, I'm sorry. You cut out for a minute. Uh, you, the oh, last okay. thing I heard you say was that uh, at the end of your, your workouts, you were still gunning for it. Yeah. Um, so a lot of other people are completely gassed, and I'm still going. And I know a lot of that is because I, I burn fat at primary fuel. Um, I also participate in intermittent fasting and other things like that. Once you, have, once you have a basic understanding of the way that your physiology works, what foods, what type of training works well for your particular body, you can be, you can be super lean if you want to. You can be super jacked and and have a big gut at the same time too. <laughs> it's just a matter of like, what are your goals? What are your daily habits? Um, and and whether or not you're healthy. If, if all of this stuff is so much easier if you are healthy. So I recommend to everyone get healthy first. Make that your number one priority. I know that most people don't like to hear that. They want uh, you know six pack abs yesterday. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, right. uh, really, it's, it's health first, and your body regulates, and then you can hack it and mold it in pretty much whatever way you want. And the mechanisms are fairly straightforward as long as you're following the right advice. Okay. You know that kind of sounds similar to what you were saying about the barefoot running is that you know at first your muscles had atrophied but then once you started running yep. that style they got stronger and it was it, it right. became a more fun way to run and an easier way to run and the same thing with exactly. diet you know when you feed your body exactly. what it's meant to eat it's going to be a lot easier that's right yeah it's easier and it's more fun and it's just more balanced you're not freaking out all the time like if you are a little bit chubby then every time you look at food at least for me i was just like oh crap this is going to make me a little bit fatter but now like i know that if i if i put, put on five pounds i know how to lose it mm -hmm. um very easily and without like pain or sacrifice. It's just a matter of like knowing how your body works. And so it's like for people who are fitness models or bodybuilders or whatever, like you can take someone who's 25% body fat and bring them to 3% body fat over the course of a few months. Like you can do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that happens all the time. And, and it's not genetic. It's not like just the way you are. It's just a matter of like following physiology and incorporating these mechanisms into your, your lifestyle, being committed to that, if that's what you want. So I, I think I just want to let people out there know that they are in control of their own body and control their own situations, the way that they live, you know? Right. If you want to be leaner, you, you can. Most people fail on diet because they believe that they can't or they're following, you know, this, this crap advice, you know, another bad diet. There's no diet out there that beats eating real food all the time. That's really, if, if you want to know the secret <laughs> to all of this, it's eating real high-quality food the way that we're designed to eat real high-quality food um, and actually doing it. So, like, a lot of people know that you should do that, but um, so few people actually do it that it's not really incorporated into the public consciousness quite yet. Although that is starting to change, which is awesome. Yeah. So was there ever a time where you had, were chubby and then got lean? I mean, what were you like before? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, what yeah. was your body 
body was, fat um, before you went uh, on a more whole foods diet? I didn't measure my body fat, but I know I was pushing 18, 20, maybe even more. Um, my weight was was getting bigger and bigger. My face was getting puffier and puffier. And uh, I certainly didn't have much, uh, I, I mean, I had zero definition. I, I still had a fair amount of muscle mass. I'm like a typical mesomore. So it's pretty easy for me to, to put on muscle, but it's also pretty easy for me to put on fat. So yeah, as soon as I switched my dietary protocol to what they are now or, or something similar to what they are now, I lost 20 pounds in a little bit over a, a month. And wow. it's just so, e- so easy. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, holy crap, like really? This is, this is how it works? This is amazing. Yeah. Can you give our listeners a little bit of idea what you eat on a daily basis? Yeah, sure. So right now, it might sound a little bit wacky, but I typically don't eat my first meal until uh, noon or maybe even 3 o'clock. So I do like a ketogenic fast. So in the morning, I'll have uh, fish oil and other fats, but I won't have any protein or carbs in the first half of the day. Uh, and in my coffee, I put heavy cream, um, butter, sometimes almond butter, NCTs or coconut oil. So I, I have some energy, which is pure fat, that I'm running off in the first half of the day. And then the second half of the day, I'll typically have a, uh, I have eggs almost every single day, cooked in basic fat or grass-fed butter. And I'll usually cover that with cheese and then some veggies on the side, maybe a small salad. Um, or if I don't make a salad then, then I'll have a green smoothie um, a little bit later in that afternoon. So the way that I do that is with a heck of a lot of greens and maybe I'll I'll throw half a banana in there, um, some other fats, sometimes like some red palm oil, chia seeds, flax seeds, just like a, a super green real food smoothie, and that's pretty rocking. And then for dinner, I'll typically have um, a big salad or some cooked greens, so it could be kale or you know beet greens, uh, something like that, mm-hmm. and that'll make up the majority of the plate. And then I'll have a, a protein that's typically covered in fat, so it could be chicken or steak or burgers, stuff with avocados covered in bacon and cheese. <laughs> or all sorts of other delicious things. And then my, my girlfriend, Allison, is a wonderful cook of gluten-free, basically, and we have a, a cookbook together that we did. And so we, we typically have you know, homemade cookies around, which are high fat uh, and, and typically low carb. Um, and for sweeteners, we'll use a little bit of maple syrup or, or stevia or sometimes xylitol. But the majority of the cookies are made up of usually nuts or coconut oil uh, and, of course, chocolate, which is one of my favorite foods of all time. And then I have uh, red wine. Uh, I don't really drink beer. I used to drink a lot of it. Sometimes I'll, I'll still have a little bit, but usually it'll be gluten-free. And uh, I enjoy scotch and cigars from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that that doesn't sound like a diet at all. Actually, that sounds like a pretty awesome way to eat and stay ripped at the same time, I guess. I can't really think of a better way to do it. I'm never, like, whenever I'm hungry, I eat. Whenever I'm not, I don't. And I can't think of, like, more delicious foods that I could possibly be eating. I, I eat every every single thing I want to eat. Mm-hmm. And the other stuff that I see, you know, like, people who, who basically say, I, I love Taco Bell or I really want a McDonald's, McDonald's burger right now. Um, I can relate to that because I used to have those same cravings, I guess. But I haven't had those in years. It's amazing. Like when you fuel yourself directly, when you really nourish your body, you, mm-hmm. your body somehow knows what's real food and what's not. And mm-hmm. so even if I see like a Krispy Kreme donut, like I don't need to salivate. Like, <laughs> I, it just doesn't look like food to me. It looks right. like a gut bomb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, one thing that you mentioned there was that you don't eat for the first half of the day. You, you only eat yeah. fat. What is the point of doing that? 
So most of it is something called autophagy, which basically means that your body is running on only fat, um, both mobilized fat uh, from your own fat stores, as well as uh, the fat that, that you take in through your mouth. So the coconut oil or the, the almond butter or the grass-fed butter that I have in the first half of the day. The reason for that, um, so autophagy, basically what it is is starving the body of glucose for a period of time and making sure that your insulin is down. So as a larger organism, we can function for, for quite a long time without glucose. Um, you know, some people say that the brain runs on glucose, which is only partially true. Um, the brain can also run on ketones, which come from fat, and uh, you can you can also manufacture glucose from protein um, to, to fuel the brain as well. So when you're going without glucose for a period of time, your body is just fine. But the pathogens within your body, these, these tiny little microorganisms, um, the bad bugs and cancer, they run on glucose. And so when you start those pathogens or, or cancers or other things that could be bad in your body of glucose for a period of time, they tend to go smaller. Your body has, uh, grows smaller. They, your body basically can mount a response against them and actually fight them instead of them constantly building. So there's there's that. And also be feeding yourself. It has a cue that, it, that it's living in abundance. And so instead of um, repair, focusing on repairing itself and repairing individual cells, it focuses on splitting cells and, and dividing, uh, multiplying different cells. And every time that happens, your telomeres shrink just a little bit. And so a lot of folks say, and a lot of science supports that, um, the more often that that happens, uh, the, the quicker you age. So it's also a strategy of, of longevity or maintaining youth. Um, when you when you don't have an excess of calories, your body basically says, okay, well, we're not living in abundance right now. We should focus on repairing what, what we have right now. So, you know, individual uh, things that may have gone wrong with cells in your body or friends or other things like that, your body is focusing on getting rid of the junk or repairing um, something that's broken as opposed to constantly dividing. So that's, that's another piece. And then there are lots of hormonal uh, things that can happen when you focus on, on doing some sort of fasting growth months to go up. Uh, you can upregulate testosterone. Uh, I know that a lot of people, when they first think about fasting, are just how long afraid that my muscles will drop off as soon as I stop eating every three hours. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can tell you from personal experience that that's absolutely not true. I put on like 15 pounds of lean mass while fasting. Um, and so a lot of it is not only can you do it, uh, in a lot of cases you can do it more quickly because you upregulate growth hormone testosterone, like I was saying before. So it's something definitely worth trying, but I would caution people if they do a lot of endurance activity, you're going to have a hard enough time getting enough calories and energy anyway. So mm-hmm. that's not a good time to do fasting. Um, unless it's on maybe you're taking three days off or something like that. You want to um, basically charge your batteries a little bit. You want to make sure that you're constantly fueled if you're doing endurance activity. Okay. Well, that, that's a great tip. Um, do you have any other tips that say some of our listeners uh, might still be on a high carb grain fueled diet? How can they go about switching over to a more, a more I don't know, a paleo style, whole foods, whatever you want to call it, That this kind of diet yeah. that, that you do? Yeah. Um, it's really easy. It's just a matter of, of doing it, really. So uh, paleo, if you want to get started with that, I can tell you it's basically just eating a lot of plants and a lot of um, food. And eating high fat is, is the easiest way that I've found to do it at the beginning. I have a bunch of foods on my blog. Uh, in fact, you get a free ebook when you sign up for my mailing list at Burning Man. But I have a bunch of free blog posts about it, too, which basically just tell you how you can get started with this, this sort of eating lifestyle. But it can be, if you go from eating, you know, three, 400 carbs a day down to like 50 to 100 
for the next week, that can be kind of tough because your body's like, where's all my sugar? Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as you get past that and you shift over into burning fat, you tend to lose, you know, a lot of guys, um, they'll tend to lose weight more quickly just because of the way that their bodies are built. They'll lose, you know, five, seven pounds in the first week and 10 by the second week, sometimes 15. And it's just like, wow, this is actually working. So uh, it's, I literally, in one of my books, I put down paleo in a page. It's not, it's not difficult. It's not complicated. It's just a matter of uh, avoiding processed foods, avoiding grains and sugars and actually cutting out legumes and uh, and a few other things at the beginning at least and you can always try to sell them back in later to see if they work for you but uh, I would encourage everyone to give it a shot because um, in my experience it works extraordinarily well for me it works uh, very very well for a lot of my coaching clients and my fans and that sort of thing I haven't found any sort of dietary framework that works as well for most people as the paleo template seems to mm-hmm. so you mentioned there you do some coaching uh, where do people go to find out more about you and possibly hook up with you and work with you? Yeah, so it's fatburningman.com. That's the best place to find me. And then my coaching community is at leanbodycommunity.com. Okay, great. Well, Abel, it's been great talking to you today. It was a lot of fun. And thanks so much for taking the time to talk with our listeners. My pleasure. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, take care. You too. You've been listening to another episode of Paleo Runner Podcast. For more information, go to paleorunner.org. Thanks for listening.